Do excuse my sweaty shirt. It's too hot today. Tom suggested I could do what David done and go down to my underpants and dance around, but trust me, that would never be a blessing to you, that's for sure. Never be a blessing. Okay, today we're in part seven of our 57-week series on Ephesians. I'm only kidding, it's only 15, and uh, it's been a fantastic series looking at the Word of God together. So week number seven, and we're going to turn to, if you could please, Ephesians chapter three in your Bible, or if you have the modern translation, namely your phone, you can look on your phone to Ephesians chapter 3. And I always encourage people, if possible, to uh, read scripture along with me. I don't know if you realize this, but there is great power in reading the Word of God, and there's great power in confessing it out of your mouth, because uh, it's good to remind our hearts of the truth. So, here we go then. If you want to join me, it's on the screen. We're reading from the New International Version. Thank you very much, buddy. That would be great. Here we go. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's a work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I can tell it's quite warm today. That was reasonably enthusiastic, but uh, it sounded like about three people were praying with me. All right, that the scripture, but never mind, let's go for it. It's hot, isn't it? But let's press through. Okay, next slide very quickly. There are four things I want to share today with you. This is a prayer for power. Power for strength, we all need that, me included. Power for purpose. There are a lot of people, sometimes they're even Christians, who aimlessly wander around. Power for purpose. Power for experiencing God's love. Hands up those who've heard lots about God's love. Who's heard a lot about God's love? Okay. What God wants to do today is bring power to us so we experience God's love. Not just know about it in there, but know about it in our everyday living. And lastly, power for immeasurably more. Um, fantastic. This is all about power. So let's kick off then. Next slide, we're going to go to power for strength. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I wonder if you ever asked the question, what does he mean? What does he mean by my inner being? Okay, here's a little quote for you from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. It says this, the inner man is the opposite of the body and all its faculties and functions. It is this other man that is apart from them, the innermost part of our being, the spiritual part of our being. It includes the heart and the mind and the soul and the spirit of the regenerate man or woman, the man that is in Christ Jesus. It's talking about our inner being being the deepest, most intimate part of us as human beings. Paul prays that we would have 
power to have strength in our inner being. Anybody with me that what functions and happens in our inner being affects what happens outside the inner being? If I wake up every morning and go, bless God, I'm a child of God, I'm a son, I have the full rights of sons, I belong to my Father in heaven, I'm deeply loved and treasured. That affects how the day goes. If I wake up and go, I'm a nobody, how could God ever love me? I always mess up. If I wake up with that mentality, and sometimes we do, that affects the way the day goes. Because the way we position ourselves internally affects how the external works itself out. Even if it's a tough day. Even if it's a tough day, if my inner being is strengthened by the Spirit of God, I can face anything because he is with me and he is in me. Paul is clear that this power, next slide, thank you, is for every believer. It's not just for a select few enthusiastic people who love Jesus. It's for every person who calls himself a believer. This power to be strengthened is from God. I want to ask you right from the kickoff today, next slide, buddy, if you could, please. Thank you so much. There you go, fantastic. Are you, am I, hungry for God's strengthening power through the Holy Spirit to go into the depths of your inner life? Are you hungry for that or are you not? Um, there's, this, there's this thing in life we struggle with sometimes, isn't it? This whole thing of God's sovereignty and man and woman's free will. And I want to say to you, God's willingness to absolutely flood your life with his strength and your inner being is there. But he's waiting for you to say, yes, please. I want to be strengthened in my inner being. I don't know about you, but as a believer, I know I need strength. We're living in some tough days. But hey, I guess every generation of believers could pretty much say that as well. We live in tough days. It's, it's tough. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy standing up for the word of God, for the truth of God. It's not easy to stand and say, whatever happens, I'm going to stand on Jesus Christ on the rock. I ain't going to budge. I ain't going to move. It takes strength. It takes guts. It takes power to be able to do that. And thank God, his power in you and me is able to help us to do that. If it's down to me, I'm stuffed. If it's down to my, me manufacturing my own strength, I'm stuffed. But thank God for his power to enable you and me to be able to be strengthened in our inner being to stand strong. Next, let's move on. Power for purpose. Paul says that the reason why I want you to experience the power of God is so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, I was reading up about this. It's very important to say this. Some people in the room will possibly say, Al, how can I be praying for that? Because I've already asked Jesus to come into my heart. So what is he talking about when he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith? He's not talking about you need to become a Christian because he's already talking to Christians. So let me explain. Next slide, thank you. We need to remember that he's talking to believers. What does it mean to dwell? Well, apparently, I'm no scholar in this, but apparently dwell means it's a compound word, which basically means to live in as a house. Let me give you an example. Okay, um, 
I was talking to my neighbor's son-in-law recently. They just sold their house. And uh, quite a bit of what needs to be done in the house. And here's the difference. When you go to the office and you sign the papers and all the checks have been done, you then finally get the keys and you go to the house and you open it up because that house now belongs to you. It is your possession. But when you go into the house, in some cases, depending on the circumstances within the room, there are lots of things to be done in the house to make the house look like your stamp is on the house. People come round to the house, they don't only recognise that you've bought it, but they recognise that you've put your stamp on it, they can see it's your styles, your flavours, your type of wallpaper or paint, you've got your stamp on every part of the house. Are you hearing me, church? And this is the difference. This is the difference. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become his possession. I am his and he is mine. But what happens from that day on is that a transformation happens in my heart and your life and my life where we become more like him. And people look at us and say, that looks like a God kind of house. That man, that woman living in that body, it looks like a God kind of place. And that's what Paul's on about. He wants us to dwell, Christ to dwell in our hearts through faith. When you look at a person's life who's a believer, you can see that Jesus Christ is being reflected off that life. There's a little prefix goes with this word meaning down. What it means is this. It means that Jesus Christ settles down and is at home in your life. And that's a challenge and a half. Because that means every single part of my life and your life should be surrendered to him. So, let me challenge you, and I challenge myself as I do it too. If you say, Jesus, you're very welcome into my thought life. How's that going? Ouch. Jesus, you're very welcome into my finances. Ooh. Ouch. Jesus, you're very welcome into my uh, wonderful way that I've forgiven those that have hurt me. You hear me, church? We invite him into every room of the house to bring transformation. We need God's power by spirit to be able to live like that. Hey, we're all a work in progress, including me. But it's the heart issue here. Do you want the Lord Jesus by his spirit to change and transform you so your life reflects more and more what he looks like? I said it last time I think I preached, but the old chap that said to me, son, if he's not Lord of all, who can finish it? He's not Lord at all. So, is Jesus Christ the Lord of my life? Is he settling down in every part of my life? Every part of my life. Not just the Sunday bit. Not just the life group Wednesday night bit or Tuesday night bit. Is he Lord of every area of my life? Paul prays that we would have power, that the Lord Jesus would dwell in us like that, settling down in every part of us. Next one. Power for experiencing God's love. He prays that we may have power together with all the saints to grasp 
bit of a maths lesson now, guys, but we're going to 4D, okay? We're not going to 3D, all right? We're going to how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ? And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Let's just pause and read that again. Paul prays for ordinary people like us who've come to know Christ, who are now saints. He prays that we would be filled a little bit. He prays that we'll be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, I can't start to imagine what the fullness of God looks like completely, although it's probably seen in Christ. The fullest demonstration of the Father is found in the, in the Son. But God wants you and me to be filled to the measure of all the fullness. Let's look at it. Let's start with length, okay? The length. It reminds us, this dimension reminds us that this is a love which is obviously very, very long. In fact, it's so long you can't measure it. In fact, um, I remember a song. I know I do this quite a lot, but I remember a song. I want to say this to those um, who are involved in children's ministry. Never underestimate, never underestimate what goes into the hearts of kids when they're young. Because I'm 56 years of age and I remember it. So something happens when the Spirit of God helps our children's workers. And it said this. I'm not going to start singing it because I know Roy and Dorothy will fancy a little trio with me, right? So they'll better do that. It goes like this. Jesus' love is very wonderful. It's so high. You can't get over it. It's so low. You can't get under it. It's so wide. I can see you all want to bust out this song. So wide. You can never get around it. Oh, wonderful love. And it's true. That's exactly what Paul's on about. And do you know what? This length of his love reminds us that it's a love that goes way, way back into the annals of pre-creation. It's, Lloyd-Jones says, Christ's love to us did not suddenly come into being. It was there before the beginning of time. This is incredible love. How can you fathom this? God loved you, my man, before your great, 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 even thought about having any kids. He loved you way, way, way back. He loved you, mate. Way, way, way back. Before the beginning of time. That's how long his love is. Wonderful love. Wonderful love. God didn't wake him up one day and go, ah, quite fancy loving that person there in the second row. He has loved you, Sophie, from before the beginning of time. This is a staggering love. The book of Revelation says, our names were written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world. God's got you. God's got you on his heart before you were even thought about by your ancestors. Incredible. Secondly, it's width. This dimension reminds us of the scope of God's saving plan. Hallelujah. It's wide. This love is wide. Revelation says, and with your blood, that's Jesus, with your blood, Jesus, you purchase men and women for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The extent of his saving grace is magnificent. Look around the room. 
Just look around the room. There are people from all different nations in the world who are here because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed to make us into one new tribe. God's only got one tribe. He's only got one family. And the way into that family is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and putting your confidence in what he's accomplished for you and making that personal for you in your life. This is an amazing love. It breaks down, should break down, every barrier. Black and white, male and female, whatever other boundary or barriers you want to put, if we have repented of our sins and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, we are part of the most amazing movement of God in this world. We are the family of God. Paul says, this is the width of the love of God. It's incredible love. It welcomes men and women from every background. This church, we believe part of our calling is to reflect that to the world. When people say, Oh, these people don't mix, you know, out there in the world. They're always fighting with each other. Listen, I said this the other night to some friends. There's a beautiful opportunity for the body of Christ to show to the world that loving others who are different works. Because the same blood purchased each one. There's no need for any other sacrifices. One sacrifice, once and for all, sufficient to the end of time to bring all men and women who come to God through Christ. You know, that's fantastic. The next one is the depth. This dimension reminds us of what Jesus did. Sometimes we forget, before we get to looking at what Jesus did on the cross, sometimes we forget what it meant for him to come from heaven to here. Now, with all due respect, I can say this because I've met my recent brother and sister, Amarachi and Mona. If, if Amarachi said to me, I'm going to take you now by an aeroplane, I'm going to drop you into Nigeria, and I'll put you in that little village. Obviously, if I go to a different context, to a new place, as many of you have, there are challenges, aren't there, where you've got to get to know a whole new way of life. It's going to be completely different. Jesus comes from this realm of perfection. And he comes down to a place, this world, as it is. That is a massive stoop. We mustn't forget that. Before we even get to the cross, we must never forget. Paul says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He certainly did. To come from that realm to this realm takes a lot of humbling. But it's also about what he suffered on our behalf. Paul goes on to say, he became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. This is the thing that some people don't get. The father's plan was that his son would die to rescue men and women. But here's the most beautiful thing you could ever know, I guess. The son willingly said, I would love to do that. God never abused his son. He never forced him to do something that was unpleasant. 
and mistreated him. The son said, I willingly lay down my life. I would love to do that, although it costs me everything. I will do it for men and women in this room today and men and women in this city and in the nations of the earth. The Lord Jesus Christ. was an obedient son. Not because his father threatened him, but because he loves us and he loved his father and he wanted to please him. And praise God, he did it for you and me. This is an incredible love. It goes so deep. And finally, the, the, the love of God, height. This dimension reminds us of God's ultimate and final purpose. God's not just satisfied to save you and bring you to himself and to keep you from the pollution of sin in this world. He wants you to enjoy being with him for eternity. That's hard for us to grasp. I've lived 56 plus years. It's a wee tiny bit of time. You might think he's an old bloke, but 56 plus years is quite a short little time. But if he, it's a pinprick in, in, the, in the scheme of a whole of eternity, the whole of eternity... Jesus Christ wants to be with you in your company. Wow. I'm glad you're all so excited about that. That's quite incredible, isn't it? Really amazing. Jesus said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I wonder what kind of place he's preparing. A little nine-hole golf course in the back garden? Anyone? No. Maybe not. I don't know what kind of place he's preparing, but it says he's preparing a place I'm going, to, I'm going to get a bit worried if, if I get to heaven and the Lord says, Al, I've got this nice wee house for you, but it's got quite a lot of gardening to do. Now, I know some of you love gardening, Kirsty. I know you love it, but that would be, oh, Lord, what's going on here? Have you made a mistake? Um, some people love gardening, some people don't. But I'll, have, I'll, I'll be perfect then, so maybe it'll work out all right. Maybe I'll be able to do a half-decent job in the garden compared to normal. He's going to prepare a place for you, but listen to this, brothers and sisters. He says, I will come back. What a reassurance. We're not left here on our own for the rest of time or eternity. He's going to come back and he's going to take us to be with himself. He says, I'll take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. The new heavens and new earth, whatever Christ is in the future, we will be with him. We will rule and reign with him. We will spend such amazing time with him. I don't know about you, but... Uh, when we come here today and we, we worship together, I feel his presence. I love to be here. I feel moved by his presence. I look at these little kids and it's a blessing to see little kids jumping up and down and, and joining in and loving being in the presence of God. But I'll tell you something, this is a little foretaste. It's a tiny little foretaste. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. We love it. But it's a tiny little foretaste of what it will be like when we go to be with him forever. But meanwhile, there's a job to do. Let me ask you, do you, do I, actually ever take the time to contemplate his love? It's dead easy, isn't it, to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Absolutely true. But sometimes we need to pause with Paul in this prayer and take time. What is this love like? How long is it? How wide is it? How high is it? How deep is it? This is incredible love. He says, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will give you power so that you can understand this love better. 
Why do you think he does that? I think he does that because he knows if you understand what that love is like more and more, you'll live differently. You'll live filled with the Spirit of God. You'll live for the glory of God. You won't ever get up every day, keep wondering, does God love me? When the Spirit of God gets a hold of your heart and you understand more and more of that great love, you know you're secure in Him. He's never going to drop you because He's an incredible, incredible God. So yes, I think I should pause one second and read this to you. Um, one or two little things. I think the Holy Spirit has popped into my heart. I trust it's Him and not just me. But... Another thing some of us in the room have, and this is not a, it's not a boast, it's not a, proud, a pride thing, but we have a bit of a heritage, some of us, of godly upbringing. Not everybody has that, and I appreciate that. But there is a song came to me, it's like poetry. A song came to me this week that kind of summed up this height, this width, this depth, this length. It says, man of sorrows, what a name for the son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Bearing shame, scoffing rude. In my place, condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. The writer says, what a saviour. Guilty, vile, and helpless we. Spotless lamb of God was he. Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a saviour. Lifted up was he to die. Tetelestai, it is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high, hallelujah, what a saviour. Don't worry, there's not 47 verses. I'm coming to the last one. <laughs> when he comes, our glorious king all his ransomed home to bring. Then I knew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah, what a saviour. Do you know what the name of the man was who wrote that hymn? <laughs> Mr. Bliss. Mr. Bliss, what a great name. Mr. Bliss wrote about the love of God. Well, so you should if you're full of bliss. I'll tell you, Mr. Bliss wrote this amazing hymn. I want to say something also that's so important. And Roy, Roy added a little bit to this today when I spoke to him about it. Um, I always do this, and I trust we always do. I always say, Lord, is there something specific you want to say to people today when we gather? Here it is. I got the word fuse, F-U-S-E, fuse. My understanding is that when you put a fuse into a little machine... The idea is that it protects the machine from overload and possible combustion. That's why you put a fuse in. Well, sometimes it's a 3 amp, a 5 amp, a 10 amp, a 13 amp. Simon's not here, he's the electrician. Nathan is, maybe somewhere. There he is. Correct me if I'm wrong, buddy, you're the expert, I'm not. But here's what I believe God wants to say. There are times some of us in this room have put a fuse into our hearts. We don't fancy the overload. We don't fancy the combustion. So we put safety measures in. We put in a wee fuse that just keeps it nice and calm. 
I call it fear linked to, to decorum. I think it's a British disease. Decorum. For those of us who are not British, let me explain. Or maybe if we are British, let me explain. It's this feeling of fear that other people are watching us and we're worried about what they think if we get an overload. Let me tell you something. This is really important. Paul says in Romans 5.5 that the love of God would be shed abroad in your heart. It would ravage your heart in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't just jump up and down or kneel down because it's something that the elders do. I jump up and down. Sometimes I'm on my face because I'm fed up worrying about what other people think. I'm not in this church to be a crowd pleaser. I'm here in this church, and so are you, to be a Jesus pleaser. That's why you're here. And so what we do is some of us put a three-arm pin, some of us put a five-arm pin, and we try to keep a lid on it. We try to keep a lid on it because we don't want the overload. God, I believe this is strongly, I'm not trying to be funny, I believe today the Spirit of God wants to bring an overload where you forget the decorum and the love of God comes on you in such power that you'll just let it go. Just go with it. Go with it. Stop trying to put a lid on the love of God. Stop trying to put a lid on expressing how you feel about that great love. And trust me, this is not to do with personality. It's not. It's to do with every person getting absolutely drenched with the literally, drenched with the love of God, and you can't contain yourself anymore. Um, I think it was D.L. Moody, the evangelist, who said that he asked for the Lord to pour his spirit upon him. And what happened was the Holy Spirit came on him with divine love, wave after wave after wave after wave of the love of God. And he said, Lord, please stop. I can't take anymore. Whereas sometimes... Sometimes we maybe say, Lord, I don't fancy it at all. I want to experience, do you, more of this divine love filling, filling every single part of me. We sang it today in one of the songs, your love is the air that I'm breathing So, what I'm going to do, nearly finished, is this. Please, if you have put any fuses into place to protect your decorum, please come to the Lord today and say, I'm done. It's going. In Jesus' name, remove it. I want to be free. Secondly, sometimes the enemy, Satan himself, can do this. What he does is he tries to crush you down. He tries to say things to you like... Um, Oh, don't you remember what you thought last week? Don't you remember that thought you had yesterday? Don't you remember that revengeful feeling you felt towards another brother or sister? And the enemy will try and drag up our sin. Jesus, by his spirit, convicts. Yeah? Satan condemns. That's what he does. He condemns. So let me tell you this. Um, you, you could be struggling with that. So let's get prayer today. Reach out to someone who can pray with you because we want to see that going. I want every brother and sister in this church to be as free as they can be, 
to be them, the best Holy Spirit version of themselves, their personality, their, their personality, the best filled with the Spirit person they can be, absolutely lavishly loving the Lord Jesus. If that means you dance, great. If it means you sit quietly and you wonder and you pause and you think, what's this incredible love? Great. But please, don't ever excuse it and say, that's just the way I am. Oh, please. I'll tell you something. I don't want to stay the way I am. I don't, I don't want to. Thanks very much. <laughs> I don't want to stay the way I am. I want to be changed more to look like I am. I want to be even more energetic. If it means getting more sweaty on a summer's day, who cares? I'm not fussed. Because Jesus is worth celebrating. Jesus is worth getting excited about. If you, I mean, I've said it before. If you can get excited about a sport or something else, and then you come to church and you're a bit, oh, take it or leave it. Something's wrong. Something's wrong here, brothers and sisters. If I've got the old Sky Sports on and my team's on and got my shirt on and my, my scarf, my window's open sometimes and when my team scores, I shout and the neighbour thinks, what's going on in that house over there? You know, when I get jumping off the couch and I get excited, it's only a game of football. But then we come to church sometimes and we think, look what the Lord's done. This is incredible by comparison, night and day. Last thing he says is this, power for experiencing God's love. He prays that we would have power together with all the saints. Beg your pardon, one second, I'll just kick on here a bit. Now to him who's able, that's right, now to him, verse 20, who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us. Now, I'm not going to spend too long on this, because the last preach we talked about this in quite some detail, but the point is this, you have so much power abiding in you by the person of the Holy Spirit and his power, you have power to be able to accomplish anything and everything that God asks you to accomplish. That's it in a nutshell. The question is, do you believe that? Or do you wake up tomorrow morning and think, how on earth could God ever change this? How on earth could this ever change? Um, had a situation this week, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't happen every week, and I wish it did, but I had my colleague who comes to find me when he wants prayer for healing. I prayed for a colleague once and he, he did actually get healed, praise God. I pray for lots of people who don't get healed. But hey, I'll keep praying and I'll keep believing God. So I prayed for this guy at work and his finger got straightened and he got healed. And every time he's got a need or someone in his family's got a need, he comes and searches. It's like, search a Christian, <laughs> dial a Christian. He comes looking for me and he says, can you come and pray for me? So I had the joy this week of praying for uh, a family member. And I said to him, mate, God doesn't just want to heal bodily he wants you to give your whole lot to him. Spiritually, give your whole lot to him. And so it takes that courage and that boldness. God wants to do more. Some days we dream. It's good to have good godly dreams. Some days you dream and you just think, what would this room look like if on a Monday morning it looked like a Sunday morning? What would it look like if assembly looked like this on a Wednesday morning? What do you believe God for? I want to see a school 
that's saturated with the presence of God. Is this possible? Let me tell you something. If God can save the whole of Nineveh, he can save the whole of St. Benedict's. And, yeah, absolutely. So, commit your dreams to God. Dream big for the glory of God. Say, Lord, what would you want me to be dreaming towards, to be praying towards? What do you want me to be giving myself to? Believe God for big things. And lastly, it says this, to him be all the glory in the church. Can I add, in this church? Be bold and say this, if we ever get to the place where God blesses us and does great things in this church and you ever feel we wander away from giving God glory, you better come and either talk to us, tell us straight. If that doesn't work, go to the apostles and tell them these guys have lost the plot. Because you know what? Everything, everything that God does in this place is to the glory of God. It's not to the glory of Hugh, Al, Tom, any of the other leaders in the church. It's not, it's not about that. It goes, it's the glory goes up and it goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ and in the church, God, God wants all the glory. And I've said before, maybe you think God's full of himself. Sounds like God's a bit egotistical. Do you know what it is? God knows in his wisdom that if he gets all the glory, we get the maximum blessing. Say that one more time. I shouldn't really quote myself, but I think that's worth quoting, right? <laughs> if, God, if God gets all the glory, we get all the blessing. If it works the other way and we take all the glory to ourselves, you're on a disaster course.